Thank you for joining us. The Dacus Report is on the air to defend your religious freedom, your parental rights, and other civil liberties. And now, with the latest information, is your host, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, to join us here today to talk about a number of issues and cases, uh, we have with us here the attorney who heads up the PJI office out of Philadelphia, serving Pennsylvania, New Jersey, uh, Karen White. Karen, welcome to the program. Hi, Brad. Nice to be here. Uh, great to have you. Uh, I understand, uh, Karen, that the uh, New Jersey governor, Murphy, has issued an executive order 283. Um, what's happening in New Jersey regarding uh, the public workers' vaccine mandate? In January of this year, Governor Murphy issued a vaccine mandate for public workers who work in healthcare or what they call congregate settings. So an area that or a job where you would face patients or deal with people on one on one basis uh, where people congregate, so to speak. And after that occurred, a uh, number of those employees contacted PGI for assistance. They had applied for an accommodation. Um, these employees worked at correctional facilities. They worked at jails and they held strong religious convictions, Christian beliefs that uh, they could not take the COVID vaccine. Uh, and so things went a little bit crazy from there for these workers with the state of New Jersey. Yeah. Well, I, I understand that this order would apply to law enforcement officers. Uh, I mean, yes. that's a, uh, that's a, uh, I mean, this could be a, a huge hindrance on the ability to have uh, men and women there to provide protection for, for its citizens. Uh, that, that makes no sense at all. Well, the, the law enforcement officers involved were specifically correctional officers, people who worked in the state jails, the jails, the prisons, uh, both for juveniles and for adults, because the jails were considered congregate settings, areas that were a confined space where these correctional officers had to interact with the inmates. Now, remember, Brett, the inmates are not required to be vaccinated, and neither are the visitors of the inmates required to be vaccinated. Only the correctional officers who worked in these facilities. Okay, I'm trying to understand this. So <laughs> there, there's a lot of visitors that come in to mm -hmm. visit these criminals, these convicted mm -hmm. criminals, and the convicted mm -hmm. criminals are not having to be vaccinated. The visitors coming in and out are not having to be vaccinated, but they're saying that these security correction officers do have to be vaccinated. And if they're not vaccinated, what happens? They're fired? They're prevented from yes. providing, maintaining law and order, preventing these, from preventing riots or preventing major, uh, you know, attempts to break out of the prisons, uh, well, prisoners killing imagine. each other. Yeah, prisons are, are not safe places. And no. correctional correctional officers perform a very difficult and much needed job on a daily basis. Uh, it, it's one of the, I, I believe it's one of the most difficult jobs in law enforcement to do on a daily basis. But you're exactly right. If these individuals did not get the COVID vaccine, they applied for an accommodation um, regarding their religious beliefs. And not surprisingly, they were all rejected and not rejected in a way that conformed with the law, Brad. Uh, these individuals submitted a request and within two or three days, it was denied. There was no conversation with these officers. There was no discussion. There was no 
what, what you would call an interactive process. They submitted the request. A few days later, it was denied. A few days later, they got a preliminary notice of discipline and they were placed on an unpaid leave. They, they were kicked out of their job. And they were all denied. Not a single uh, worker there had their religious exemption uh, approved or uh, respected. They were all denied. Well, we're attempting to determine that exact number. The five individuals that contacted PJI, we know for sure that their requests were denied. Uh, in this process, it's an administrative process. We're not in the courts yet. We're still working within departments in the state of New Jersey to fight this. Within that process, we have limited legal ability to subpoena documents. But we have been attempting to determine exactly how many people requested exemptions and how many were granted. But we do know that these five individuals requested accommodations and they were denied. They were kicked out of their jobs. They were not paid. And then we had a hearing on the matter uh, in front of a hearing officer. And we are waiting to get that hearing officer's decision. Um, the most interesting aspect of these four individuals is that each one of them works in an area by themselves. Two of them work in control booths, which have plastic barriers surrounding their entire workspace. One of them works entirely outside and is not in the presence of the inmates for more than five seconds a day. And then the final one works in a single enclosed office space. Uh, and so particularly for these individuals, absolutely the state could have accommodated them. Yeah, th this is another example where it, it, it breaks all logic and reasoning, and uh, it just shows a, a just a blatant callousness uh, at the at the at best uh, for people of faith who are correction officers. I see once again it's just a pattern of a, of purging of disdain for people of faith and treating them far below uh, their statutory civil rights. Uh, what happens? Okay, you, you went to the hearing. What happens if the hearing officer comes back and says, uh, once again, denied, uh, yeah, treat these people uh, who are at no risk at all. You, you still can require them to be vaccinated, even though they're not around anyone. Uh, what, what, what happens then? We don't, we don't give up. We don't. And this is, I've, I've informed all of these individuals that this will be a long process and PJI is not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. And we will be in the fight with them to the end. If this hearing officer toes the line of the state's talking points and simply ignores all of the evidence that we presented at the hearing as to why they should not be accommodated, if, if he does that, our next step would be to appeal to an administrative law judge, which at that next step, it's more of a, a trial atmosphere. I will have more abilities to call witnesses, to subpoena documents, and we'll go before what I'll call a real judge versus a hearing officer who may not in fact even be an attorney. Right. So it, you'll have a, a real judge. You, you've got, you're able to pr produce all the facts or get all the information. You know, Karen, you are a very aggressive litigator. Uh, these uh, individuals you're representing are very blessed to have you representing them. Of course, you're not, we're not charging them anything because we at, at Pacific Justice Institute, we don't do that. It's a pro bono. Um, I'm hopeful that at the end of the day, the facts are the facts and that the judge will look at this and, and realize there's no even rational basis to support the requirement, requirement that these correctional officers be vaccinated with, for number one, they're not around anyone. 
uh, as you just mentioned, some of them are not around at all uh, individuals. So they can't spread it. They can't uh, give it to anyone, they, you know, in terms of risk. Uh, number two, the vaccine is no longer helpful to the Omicron 2, uh, the latest uh, version of COVID-19. It doesn't help. It actually has a negative efficacy. So, you know, I and then, uh, you know, I'm willing to bet some of the, these correction officers probably have already had COVID, probably have a natural immunity, which over 150 studies show is actually even stronger and more uh, uh, effective than uh, any of the vaccines out there. So, you know, maybe I'm just being a little optimistic, but I think at the end of the day, as these case, as this case and other matters move their way up the courts as needed, um, that we're going to see justice uh, played out, if anything, maybe before the United States Supreme Court, if it has to go that far. Uh, I, I'm willing to bet there's enough common sense in the, the, the lower courts below the Supreme Court that we can see this matter resolved without having to go that far. But uh, we'll have to, to wait and see. Uh, what about the well, um, state workers who we understand we're representing two state workers who work for state psychiatric hospitals. Is that right? Yes. These two workers have worked honorably and without any type of discipline for 23 and a half years. Uh, and, and what's shocking is that the state is willing to just throw them out uh, and and not have them work. And, and the state has acknowledged that they have a staff shortage. Uh, that's been in all the newspapers. That's public information. The state is having difficulty staffing its facilities. And if you think about it, Brad, a state psychiatric hospital must be one of the most difficult places for someone to work. Uh, you're dealing with the most vulnerable and the most challenged members of our society. And for the state to say to these two dedicated workers, and an interesting aspect of this, Brad, I wanted to represent each of these workers at their, it's called a departmental hearing. The Office of Attorney General of the state of New Jersey sent an email saying the collective bargaining agreement, which is the union agreement, prohibited me from representing them at these hearings. This, despite an email from the union representative stating, we have no objection to PJI or Ms. White representing these individuals at the department hearing. It didn't matter to the state. These individuals had to represent themselves with only their union representative at these hearings. And I find it so curious as to why the state is fighting so hard to keep an attorney out of these hearings, to not aid these two uh, employees who have been who have been just thrown out of their jobs and and are are suffering financially. I mean, these people don't make uh, you know six figures to begin with, uh, and they're, they're facing such hard financial times. Now, again, when this hearing officer gives his decision, I will be able to represent them at the next level. But I found it absolutely abhorrent that the state would fight so hard to keep me out of those departmental hearings. So does the union agreement say that only the union can represent them? And the union says, uh, no problem with PGI representing. We have no objection to that. But they're saying, oh, no, technically uh, it has to be the union. The union says, we'll let PGI do it. So the clients end up with no representation. I mean, that's that's crazy. It was absolutely crazy. And and of course, we will bring up this argument when we go before the administrative law judge. But one has to wonder what's the interest of the state there? Why are why are they so determined to rid their ranks of individuals with religious objections to this vaccine? I will say, Brad, on the on the correctional officers uh, side that we were talking about, the individuals that I represent work at a juvenile facility. There are I found out through a request for the Open Public Records Act, 
1,625 employees of the Department of Corrections, which deals with adult jails, 1,625 individuals have submitted a request for a religious exemption. Those requests were submitted in January and they have still not received a response from the director of the DOC to those requests. Now, why is it if the individuals working at the juvenile facilities are such an immediate danger because they are not vaccinated that those the individuals at the juvenile facility moved quickly and got rid of those employees yet nearly 2000 employees for the adult facilities have not even had a response to their request. Yeah, it's, it makes no sense. And we're talking about also juveniles. Juveniles are not at risk at all from the original COVID-19, much less the, the much weaker Omicron. So uh, this is uh, totally uh, makes no sense. And once again, uh, individuals, whether we're talking about in the prisons or the juveniles, nothing's preventing those individuals who are in those institutions from getting a vaccine if they want it, right? Right, nothing. So you they, know, it, just yeah. sh- it, it just shows that there's just so much politics involved. And if you are in a position of power, then you can get the governor to do what, what you want him to do, that these individuals at the adult facilities aren't vaccinated yet. They haven't been required to be vaccinated yet. But the individuals in charge at the juvenile facilities, uh, you know, it just seems like if the person in charge is sympathetic to individuals who oppose the vaccine, they can find ways to adjust and accommodate those employees. But if the person in charge at another facility is highly objective to individuals who don't want to get the vaccines, then then suddenly they're out. They're out very quickly. It isn't fair, and it's disparate treatment across the board, and it's very upsetting. Yeah, it's very arbitrary and capricious as to how it's being carried out, a clear abuse of, of authority. Uh, mm-hmm. This fact can be brought in and, and as a part of your of the defense for these uh, individuals you're representing, correct? Of course, because if yeah. the individuals that have been kicked out are such a danger, then why is it a different standard for other correctional officers doing pretty much the exact same job, except in an adult facility. Either unvaccinated people are a danger or they are not. Of course, we know they're not. And when you try to use that argument, and if you don't apply it across the board equally, that's going to be our argument when we get in front of the judge. Yeah. Well, uh, Karen, I, I hope you, uh, I wish you the, the full success in this and in other cases you're handling right now. I know you've also been providing emergency counsel to uh, many in the military as mm-hmm. well. So thank you for that. Uh, we, I know on our website, we have guidelines for all the branches of armed forces uh, to assist them. Uh, but um, I really appreciate the work you're doing uh, there as well as to help so many who are about to lose their jobs. So I appreciate the work that you're doing to help so many across the country with regards to this and other issues. Um, I understand that recently an opinion was issued by a New Jersey Superior Appellate Court regarding uh, this order 283, uh, what happened? Well, when the governor first issued the mandate, uh, one of the unions representing many of these correctional officers and police officers filed a lawsuit challenging the legality of the governor's mandate. And what was so discouraging and depressing was reading the judge's opinion where he used language that was highly condescending and critical of any individual who had a religious or belief 
that prevented them from getting the vaccine. Uh, some of the language that he used was, was it was just fraught with problems. Uh, he indicated that the these individuals merely are exercising a self-interest, um, that uh, it's unreasoned and unreasonable resistance in the vaccination of some of our fellow citizens that may be the very thing preventing our emergence from this pandemic and a return to normalcy. We just know, Brad, that that's not true. And for this judge to use his pulpit, uh, writing this opinion, to shake his finger and, and take to task people that he disagreed with, uh, it was it was very discouraging and disheartening that that is the state of the judiciary in New Jersey right now. That's, that's pathetic. This uh, Dr. Fisher, uh, excuse me, this Judge Fisher, uh, mm -hmm. The New Jersey Superior Court Appellate Division. I'm 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 very disappointed uh, with mm -hmm. uh, his logic or lack thereof. Yes. Um, you know, he, he also went on to say uh, uh, that uh, it talks about the you know the duration. Um, uh, it's not it's it's it may be uh, far more logical to assume that the duration of the pandemic is not so much a product of virus, but uh, a product of an unreasoned and unreasonable resistance to vaccinations of some of our fellow citizens that may be the very thing preventing, as you said, are the emergence from uh, the pandemic and a return to normalcy. Reality is, reality is um, the pandemic is over. There is no risk of a massive breakout uh, yeah. of the existing COVID because we have so many of you either had it, uh, they have natural immunity. There is no such risk of a, uh, of this a pandemic with what we're facing right now. Uh, the vaccine has a negative efficacy. It doesn't help. It hurts. Uh, you know, just to see this kind of ignorance from a judge is very telling, I think, about some in the judiciary who uh, I think they, they really need to, uh, to exercise, uh, you know, diligence to make sure they have an accurate understanding of the facts. It seems like his, his opinion is premised upon mega false assumptions that um, is going to is actually going to set some bad case law. Now, um, I understand that there was also, he said there's undoubtedly a valid and uh, rational exercise of the governor's authority. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I don't understand it. I, and I certainly don't agree with it. And, and when he refers to getting the vaccine as a momentary invasion, or when he talks about these correctional officers putting little or no weight on the interest of their fellow citizens, as you said, Brad, we know that getting the vaccine doesn't prevent its transmission. You can be vaxxed and boosted and boosted again, and you can still get it and you can still transmit it. Fortunately, most people are suffering minor symptoms. Uh, they're not being hospitalized. It's not a, a, a life-threatening situation anymore. But for this judge to say that these individuals simply had a lack of enthusiasm uh, and they have uh, the, that they decide that they don't want to work for the common good, this language is certainly, certainly disconcerting and, and very scary if this is the future of judiciary opinions. Yeah, he says that you know, it's. Uh, he said we think it unlikely that the appellants' members would rather face the possible loss of employment rather than permit a momentary jab in the arm. Well, that's ex he's wrong. These employees are facing loss of employment because mm -hmm. it's not just a momentary jab in the arm. Um, it's something that's cost uh, hundreds of thousands, uh, serious injury and an ongoing conditions over eight hundred thousand. 
Now, reported cases, this is from the VARS, the, uh, the, the Federal Viral Register, have had serious uh, ongoing, potentially uh, permanent uh, conditions as a result of this, this, uh, these vaccines. Not a result of the COVID, a result of the vaccines. Uh, we have over, uh, over 800 uh, boys. Uh, this is an old figure, so it's probably actually much higher, probably in the thousands. Uh, teenage boys who have um, enlarged hearts or inflamed hearts, mm -hmm. a, a serious medical condition. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a jab in the arm. And I, I wish this, this judge would, I mean, he just displays his blatant ignorance and it's a real discredit to the integrity of our judicial system. I agree, Brad. And, you know, most of the clients that we deal with hold dear their religious belief that everyone has a right to life. And when these vaccines were tested and made through the testing of, uh, you know, aborted babies, they're, they're willing to stand for their principles. They're willing to lose their jobs, lose their security, lose possibly a pension, lose their health care. They're making great sacrifices for these deeply held Christian beliefs. I understand that the uh, there's a single sentence uh, in the entire opinion that is uh, even somewhat non-objectionable is, is as follows. Uh, it says, moreover, Executive Order 283 does not preclude a finding of an exemption in individual cases uh, based on such a showing that a vaccination would cause or restrict religious rights wherever applicable. Well, it was the only thing he wrote in the opinion that made any sense. But the problem is... The state of New Jersey isn't following that. The state of New Jersey is summarily denying any requests for accommodations because of religious beliefs. And they're, they're simply not treating all of their citizens equally when it comes to those requests. Some are getting kicked out in record time of their jobs and others are still working. We're going to continue the fight. It might take us a long time because the court system is slow, but we will get justice for these individual employees. I know we're representing countless numbers all across the nation, Karen, that are, that are dealing with these issues uh, as we speak. Uh, where, what should someone do? Let's say that, uh, I mean, for most people, the deadline has come and gone mm -hmm. to filing religious exemption. But what should people do if they've been hanging on? I get calls involving this occasionally. They're still hanging on. Uh, the mandate still hasn't been implemented or the employer still hasn't, you know, said, well, you're going to have to be vaccinated or, or someone may have had a booster or may, may, may have had a vaccine, but now there's another round coming of a, of mandate saying, well, you have to have a booster, but now they had serious reactions to the vaccine. They don't want a booster because the booster is more likely to cause a more serious reaction. What the studies show. So what can they do? Can they still file? If they feel convicted, they did the wrong thing to get the vaccine. And in the first place that God doesn't want them to get the the uh, the booster. Is there anything they can do about that, or is or is there goose cooked? I think they should go to the PJI website, find out who the PJI attorney is in their area, and shoot them an email. And I think that PJI attorney will provide all the guidance and help that they can. Okay. And I think there is room there to fight that. Right. Yeah. I, I tell people, you know, yeah, you, it's uh, it's okay to be convicted about something after the fact. Uh, after the fact, some people, you know, we've all made decisions and said, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. Um, mm -hmm. God, God is not satisfied that I did that. I shouldn't have done it. I'm sure as heck not going to do it again. Or in this case, maybe get a booster. Uh, I know on our website, uh, pji.org, we have a, a link people can click dealing with uh, vaccination exemptions. 
uh, people who are dealing with uh, it from a, a student perspective, a parent perspective, trying to protect their kids uh, from having to be vaccinated, uh, all, or uh, as we talked about here, the employment situation, those in the military. Uh, I think we've got it covered pretty well on our website. So people should definitely uh, take advantage of that. You know, Karen, um, you know, I, I just appreciate the work that you're doing once again. Uh, you happen to be the expert attorney for PJI when it comes to military law and have been a huge blessing to so many in the military uh, because they, on the on the face of it, they don't, courts have held, I guess, in the past, they don't have the same uh, free exercise, degree of free exercise protection as non-military personnel. Title VII doesn't apply to them. So, you know, they've, they've got a big struggle, and I know you're doing it's just a, a fantastic job helping to meet that struggle. Uh, folks, it's, it's so easy for us to say, well, life's getting back to normal. At the same time, forgetting those who still need help, whose lives and jobs are hanging in the balance. We at PGI hear those cries, and we're not giving up. Pacific Justice Institute invites you to join in the fight to protect our religious liberties. Consider volunteering in one of our California offices or become an affiliate attorney. Visit our website to find out more, pji.org. And while you're there, subscribe to our Legal Insider to keep updated on all of our current cases. Pacific Justice Institute. Together, we can make a difference. So folks, just remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms. Thank you for listening in today. To find out more about the Pacific Justice Institute or the Dacus Report, call 916-857-6900 or log on to pacificjustice.org.